Dr. Tori Robeson here, chiropractic practice success consultant, where I teach you how to go farther than you ever thought you could. You're listening to the Cairo Success Podcast. I'm optimistic, positive, and excited about chiropractic and reaching people with my practice and building an exceptional life of being productive, prosperous, and generous while I am filled with love, fitness, and fun. My purpose is to become a smarter, more powerful, capable, driven, and superior version of myself by ever-increasing my awareness, knowledge, understanding, motivation, hands-on skill, communication skill, and mastery in the art of exceptional living. Every single podcast with me will cause you to naturally attract more new, high-value patients. Every single podcast with me will make you more capable at motivating and persuading people. Every single podcast with me empowers you to make smarter long-term decisions. Every single podcast with me energizes you physically, mentally, and of course, financially. Story today. Wonderful couple in a home that they've owned for several years. They notice there's a small crack the countertop. So they let it go for a long period of time, and then they finally decide, maybe we'll go take a look at countertops so we can order a new countertop piece to replace the one that's in need of repair. They just want to replace that one little section in between the stove and the refrigerator. So they go into the cabinet shop, appliance store, kitchen store. They haven't been in there for years. No need to. And they start looking around and they bring some pictures of their current countertop section. And they have a salesperson and they say, we need a piece to replace this one that has a crack in it. And the person says, well, I think that we might be able to match it pretty close, but it has been several years, so there's no guarantees. And the salesperson says, maybe you might want to look at replacing all the countertops. And the couple looks at each other going, we didn't plan on that. We just wanted to replace this piece. And then they start to reason, well... Maybe we would look at replacing all the countertops if the price was okay. So the gentleman salesperson comes back and says it'll cost this much to replace all the countertops in your kitchen. And then the salesperson says, now, do you have an island? You know, at the sink. Well, yes, we have a large island with some bar stools up, and that's the fact the sink is in the island. Oh, well, we must have the countertops around the perimeter match the island. 
So the next thing you know, they're looking at the cost to replace the top of the island also so that the island and all of the perimeter surfaces will be replaced with a brand new countertop, brand new style, brand new color, brand new material. And they start to take a look at the cost of this. Now, while they're there, they can't help but notice some of these cabinets and the cool handles and the finishes on the cabinets that are all modern and new looking. And they look at each other and go, well, maybe we'll get an idea what it might take to just, you know, put new doors on the cabinets, leave the bases and everything, just new doors and maybe new handles. So the salesperson starts to write up a proposal for the cost to redo all of the doors, the drawer fronts, and all new handles to go along with the new countertop and the new island. And then they surmise, well, maybe since we're doing the, the, the fronts, maybe we should just replace all of the actual boxes themselves and the doors and everything and then we could get the new style that has the better shelves on the inside more adjustability the cool glass fronts we can change the height of them and next you know they're looking at all new cupboards all new doors all new handles all new design along with new countertop and a new island and the bid for this comes in around 50 or 60 thousand dollars Mind you, they went in because there was a crack in a little two-foot-wide chunk of the countertop that they simply wanted to replace. They say they have to think about it, and while they're thinking about it, they see that there's a sign for the parade of homes. A bunch of builders have built new houses or remodeled houses, and you can go around house to house on a Saturday or a Sunday and look in these places get ideas, or even buy these homes. So they start to think, well, why would we spend fifty or 60000 bucks? Maybe we should just sell the house, and instead of putting the money into the kitchen, just put the money toward a whole different house. So there they are out at the Parade of Homes looking at new homes. Boy, aren't they surprised at how much they cost. And they're trying to reason why put this money into the old one when we could just buy a new one. But they're pretty smart and they realize if we buy a new one, we'll have to have all of the costs of selling our place. All of the costs and the pain and the nuisance and the opportunity costs of moving. We'll have all of the costs of getting into the new place. We'll have all the ongoing costs with a new, bigger mortgage, new, bigger taxes, and new, bigger insurance, and new, bigger monthly maintenance to own the house. Not to mention, we'll be starting off brand new at the amortization schedule, and we will lose all, all, all of the momentum we had built financially by staying in our home. 
So as they're doing some calculations, they're realizing this is going to be hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. Hundreds of thousands in new interest, starting out with a fresh mortgage. Hundreds of thousands of new maintenance over the ownership of the home. The mortgage is bigger. So they went in looking to replace a small piece of countertop that had a crack in it. And the next thing you know, they get walked down the entire road to looking at brand new houses that are bigger and much, much more expensive, even though they're perfectly happy in the house they're in. It's cool in the summertime. It's warm in the wintertime. It's where everybody is used to gathering. They have everything in its proper place. It suits their needs absolutely perfectly. They do not need anything. In fact, they don't even need to replace that countertop chunk because it works perfectly whether you can see the little crack in it or not. It'll hold a pot of boiling water. It is a place that you can chop up tomatoes. It functions perfectly. It is purely cosmetic. So from a purely cosmetic little crack, it turns into considering an entire new house, an entire new mortgage, and all of the expenses that come along with it. This can happen with vehicles. This can happen with practices. This can happen with CAs. This can happen in personal relationships. This can happen with a cell phone. It can happen with a computer where we get shiny object syndrome. In this case, as it is termed, as I recall the story from years ago, I believe it's called countertop syndrome. And so discipline comes into play. I tell you the story so we can understand this principle. In anything that we own or any decision that we make, there is what is functional, and then there is what we like, and what is flashy, and what has ego, and what has prestige, and all of that. And there's an ongoing battle between practicality and fanciness. A person can roll around in a used Honda perfectly. It will get you to work. It will get you to the gym. It will get you to the grocery store. It'll get you across the country. Yet simultaneously, there's the brand new, beautiful BMW SUV. It smells so good and it, it smells so good. You can smell the inside of the car from outside the car. And it has the ego and people will look at you and they'll tell you it's nice and your friends will be impressed. But of course, it costs $1,400 a month plus the insurance, plus the cost to maintain it, plus the big depreciation. We get to houses. There's what a person needs. I'm looking down from a plane the other day. It is amazing how jammed together they'll put houses, isn't it? I mean, you could pass the mustard from window to window. They jam them so tight on the dirt that they have to build a new little neighborhood. And you see all these big boxes. And I've had the big box house. And 
and it looks cool, and the pizza delivery guy walks in and goes, whoa, how did you end up with a house like this? Okay? And you have all of those different things. But yet at the same time, you have to maintain the pool chemicals, and you got the mosquito people, then you got the yard people, then you got the irrigation people, and of course you got the landscaping people, then you just shut down the fountain. You, you have all of these expenses. Well, plus because it's up on the thing and looks out over the city, the, the taxes are 2000 bucks a month, which is money that never comes back. So there's all of these costs associated with impressions, with ego, with appearances, with prestige, with reputation, with all of that nonsense. While over here, we could have a Honda that works perfectly. It costs 100 times less. And you can have a house that has exactly what you need, just the bedrooms that you need, just the garage that you need, the yard that you need, not a ton more just because you think you can afford it or you're trying to impress people. So we have the battle of practicality and impressiveness. And this is a battle that goes on in my mind all the time. I've been able to conquer this in nearly all cases. I've been able to go from the Lamborghini to a much simpler vehicle. I've been able to go from five vehicles to one vehicle. I've been able to go from six or 7,000 square feet in the big house with everything down to a one-bedroom apartment. Most people could never do that. Their ego could not handle that. In fact, it has been reported there was a couple not doing well financially. They looked like they were. Credit cards were maxed out. And the husband in this case cut up the credit cards and his wife started crying. And he goes, honey, why are you crying? She was crying because by cutting up the credit cards, she was feeling as though her social status was being diminished was being cut down, that maybe she would be embarrassed, when in actuality, by getting rid of the cards, her financial status was going to increase. But that's how goofed up people can get in their mind. So as we move forward here with our practice, as we move forward with vehicles, as we move forward with where we live, as we move forward with toys, additional vehicles, sports cars, little convertible, boats, snowmobiles, jet skis, campers, cabins, all of these things. We want to be able to reel it in and understand this. How much do you really want to be wealthy. How much do you really want to be rich? And here is the punchline, and here is the term to take away. If you can say, I can't afford that, you can be rich. Now, you can afford just about any single thing. You can get about any kind of car within reason. And yeah, you could really stretch it and get into a fancier house. But we cannot do that. We've got to reel it in. We've got to lock it down. 
And it is absolutely okay in our personal growth and building an exceptional life to say, I can't afford it. Now, many times we say that just to get people away from us or to get them to keep from trying to sell us something. But I want you to understand that when you say, I can't afford that, in the back of your mind, what you're really saying is this, I can afford it, but I just don't feel like doing it. See, I can afford the Lamborghini, but I've decided not to have one. I can afford the big house. I've just decided not to have it. I become more attractive to healthy and wealthy people by displaying my inner qualities. So what we don't want to do as we move forward is push it with things to try to make other people think that we're rich or that we're doing better than we actually are. It doesn't fool anybody, especially the successful people. In fact, fancy name brands, name brand purses and clothes and all of that, that really is what poor people do. That's poor people. There's a psychological thing there. If I show you that I have some sort of expensive brand and I overspent on this thing, maybe you will think I'm cool. I want you to realize how crazy that is. I was watching a video with a gentleman, net worth $50, $100 million. And he goes, the shirt I'm wearing costs $3. I have like a hundred of them. I like the way they fit. They look good on me. People with name brands, they're, people trying to get name brands are people trying to impress poor people. If you want to impress healthy, wealthy, and successful people, you transcend the brands. Because people at those levels are not impressed. They're impressed by inner qualities. Now, of course, in the office, we want to have the office be perfect. We want to have the office be well-equipped. But many of the most successful offices I ever see, when you walk in, that chiropractor has been there for 22 years. Yes, the place could probably use new carpet. Yes, it could probably use new countertop. Yes, but the chiropractor does not do it because it has nothing whatsoever to do with the volume they can see and the people they can help. I'll go into another chiropractic office, fancy fixtures, fancy carpet, fancy everything, fancy equipment, and I'm looking at a chiropractor who has no money because they're paying it for stuff that really does not matter. So as we bring this relatively brief podcast to a close, the point for you is get to what really matters. We never love anything that cannot love us back. Sure, we can have some nice things, but never at the expense of being able to auto-save money. So, once all student loans are gone, and once a chiropractor is automatically saving at least their age, if not a multiple of their age, and the chiropractor owns an appropriate home and is accelerating that mortgage, 
So all the unsecured debt is gone, no student loans. The pr- everything with the practice is completely paid for. There's no practice debt. We're in a respectable home and we're paying extra toward that mortgage because it's so powerful to do so. And we're auto-saving at least our age, which is normally $750 or more every single week after tax. Once all of the foundational money flow components are fully in, fully in, then if a person wants to get a hot rod car, wants to have some fancier things in life, well then great, because the work has been done before the play. But the tragedy I see is the chiropractor who still has a bunch of student loans. They really haven't got into the right house. And they go out and they lease themselves a fancy Lexus or a BMW or a Mercedes. And they're buying fancy clothes and they're trying to act like a big shot without actually having any money. And nobody's fooled. So once again, to bring it together here now. All unsecured debt is paid. Everything is paid for in the business and you live lean to do it. Then, of course, we got to get ourselves situated with respectable lodgings, which we own and we're accelerating the payment on because it's so powerful. Remember now, there are people out there that would conclude that you don't even start saving a penny until you have zero debt. All loans, all house, all cars, everything is completely paid for. And when that's done, then you start building your pile. Of course, we have to have, in our case, we recommend a hybrid. All the loans are gone. We own a house. We're accelerating the mortgage. We have the auto-save into foundational investments. We don't auto-save into anything speculative. Okay? Until after all of our foundational investing is in place. And once all that work is done and everything is solid, then and only then can the chiropractor play around with so much money, get themselves a boat if they want. See, we cannot let our personal desires interfere with what we are supposed to do, with what is prudent and smart for a big, big, wealthy future, you might say. So, countertop syndrome. Let's not let one little blemish cause us to go and sell the whole farm and try to redo everything new. And it's very difficult because the stuff smells good and it looks good and the designs and this and all of these cool things can really lure people and be a trap. So we have to have the discipline and we have to have the organization to get all of our main financial stuff in order. Then after that point, you can do whatever you like. Accountant I had years ago, rest in peace, said, Tori, once all this debt is gone and you're fully funding your money for the future, I don't care what you do with the rest. And that was very good advice for me, being a newer chiropractor. 
He, 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 he instilled, hey, you got to get the stuff done first. And then after that, if you want to get some cool things, go ahead. But never before we've got the foundational stuff in place. The student loans are gone. The practice debt is gone. You have a completely paid for business. You got into the home. You're accelerating it. You got it the way you want it. Okay. We've got the foundational investing and saving in place. After that, go do whatever you want because you've got what you need to have in place and that will stand the test of time. And by doing that and thinking that way, you'll make better long-term financial decisions. Because remember here, Tori here, Winner's Edge, your chiropractic practice success consultant expert. I want to see you be financially strong in the future. True chiro success now. True chiro success when you back off in practice. And of course, when you exit the profession, you have to end up with money. That is where I've got to get you. And then, of course, we want to have high levels of success, happiness, joy, and peace in eternity future. Tori out. Great job. If you're a chiropractor looking to dominate in practice and in life, learn more at winnersedgeconsulting.com. Thank you.